Welcome to the Learner.co Show, hosted by Kevin Horick and his fellow Learner co-founders. Listen in as groundbreaking leaders discuss what they've learned. Discover the books, podcasts, presentations, courses, research, articles, and lessons that shape their journey. To listen to past episodes and find links to all sources of learning mentioned, visit learner.co. That's learner with two L's, dot co. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Andrew Wyatt. He's the CEO and co-founder at Kala. Andrew, great to chat with you again. Hey, Kevin. Great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I've obviously kind of known you and what you guys are doing at Cala for a number of years now. But before we get into that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Cool. Yeah, so I was born in Florida, was seven, moved to Knoxville, Tennessee. And so I, I kind cool. of consider that being where I, I grew up. Very cool. So walk us through, you went to university. What did you take and why? So one of the interesting things about Knoxville, Tennessee is that it's the intersection of I-75 and I-40. Okay. And so uh, in the U.S., that's uh, I-75 runs from Florida all the way up through, I, I, I think, New York. And, uh, and then I-40 runs you know, from coast to coast, east all the way to the west. Right. And so, um, you know, without really realizing it, uh, my parents, you know, basically put us in a logistics hub. And so um, myself and my two brothers, we all studied logistics and supply chain at the University of Tennessee. Okay. Was, but like, what made you want to take that just, just geographically being there? Or was there something that happened in your childhood that you were like, oh, I really want to go into that? So you know, it was definitely one of the top majors at University of Tennessee. So there's okay. there's a lot of uh, a lot of plugging that I would say that they did. But um, for me, I actually went to school knowing, not not thinking, but knowing, I was going to be an anesthesiologist. Oh, and so part of the um, you know part of the how to get into medical school guide is you know you have to do tons of shadowing. And so I shadowed, you know, hundreds of hours, um, orthopedic, anesthesia, ER, um, you know, outpatient, kind of everything. And one of the things I kept seeing over and over again was, you know, it felt like things were not running properly or like there, it seemed like, you know, there's always stuff everywhere. Everyone was always running around. Everyone was, you know, seemed overtired. And so I was thinking, you know, if I'm going to be a amazing, you know, world world's greatest anesthesiologist um, would probably be good to take some business classes as well, just to kind of, you know, understand that side of it. Who knows, you know, I thought maybe I would have my own practice at some point. And so kind of like at the same time as I was doing the sort of pre-med courses, I started taking some of the business courses and was, you know, stars aligned in that my first business course was operations management. And the okay. professor was talking about lean for operations or sorry, lean for healthcare and how they were taking operations methodology and best practices and applying it to a healthcare environment. And I was just like, wow, I, I think you're only talking to me in this room. And so uh, <laughs> I went and connected with him afterwards and he connected me with this guy, Dr. Chuck Noon, who actually worked in the Center for Executive Education at Tennessee. And he was one of the pioneers of applying lean methodologies and principles to healthcare. So I kind of buddied up with him for the next couple of years and, uh, and got to do some really, really cool um, projects, one of which was um, doing a, a lean implementation in the University of Tennessee uh, Medical Center's ER, which was super, super cool. Interesting. Okay. 
so walk us through kind of the rest of your career and pivoting and coming up with the idea for for Cala because it is not medical at all. <laughs> <laughs> so I think but the biggest, you know, epiphany from that experience was, you know, at the time I was probably 19, 20 years old, okay. but in that environment, I'm telling the doctors what to do and I'm working with the nurses on, you know, how to organize their their carts and, you know, where to put things in certain places so that, you know, uh, patients can kind of flow through more more effectively and more more quickly and so it was it was through that experience where i really kind of started having this idea of like do i want to go to medical school do i want to you know spend in essence 12 years from you know medical school residency fellowships to become an anesthesiologist and um ultimately decided not to unfortunately after i went through the whole process of getting into medical school but uh but decided that i was going to double down on supply chain and, and operations because that's where i you know sort of felt i had this kind of zone of genius interesting no that's that's cool so yeah talk, talk to us about your career and coming up with the idea for uh Kala. so after deciding i was not going to pursue medicine i um actually through the Center for Executive Education at Tennessee, where I'd spent, you know, a good amount of time at that point, got plugged in with a company called Grunfoss, which was based in Denmark. And so I spent two years there in a rotation program. So I got to travel all over the world and do like very macro projects, like realigning the North American supply chain with oh, raw cool. materials coming from Europe. And also like very, very like micro projects, like in Fresno, California, on the production line, trying to optimize the, you know, the flow of goods of a single sort of like pump manufacturing line. And so got to, you know, really, really uh, learn a lot about um, operations and supply chain. But what I learned the most about was that, uh, you know, doesn't matter how good your ideas are, if uh, nobody wants to implement them. Right. And so that's where that's I really, really started advice. to learn the people people management piece and change management and and managing change when you have no leverage and you're you're not their boss as a matter of fact they're you know they're up up on the totem pole totem pole from you and so um that was kind of a really rich experience a painful experience as all good learning is um and and through that though you know i learned how to communicate with people of all you know different backgrounds and um was in you know in the end pretty effective with that and then um Part of the rotation was I was going to move to Indianapolis and um, be a logistics engineer. And um, about that time, I ended up finding a job on AngelList um, for okay. ship. And so, um, as the as the story goes, I was flying back to Denmark, and I was going to um, to tell my boss there that I was going to leave and was going to do some consulting stuff. And um, I met a guy on the plane, and he was like, "Oh yeah, you know, consulting's a cool gig." He's like, but what you really should do is go to SF and be like an ops guy for, you know, engineers. He's like this Uber cab company, I think is going to be the first of kind of a generation of sort of like tech plus operations businesses. And I was like, oh, that sounds super interesting and a lot more interesting than living in Indianapolis. No offense to anyone from Indianapolis out here. Mm -hmm. And so uh, and so I, you know, he, I was like, where how, how do I even find you know, these engineers that are looking for for tech people or for operations people? And uh, he's like, AngelList, it's like a place for talent and companies and startups. And so typed in logistics on there, found SHIP and became their first employee and was there for a couple of years. And so what SHIP was, it was like Uber for shipping. And right. so you could take a photo of something 
someone would come pick it up, professionally pack it in a custom fit box, send it anywhere in the world, finding you the lowest cost shipping rate. So got to really dive in and do, you know, a lot of tech, a lot of operations, a lot of, uh, you know, logistics related things. And I saw this kind of same repeat behavior where people were using other tools like Shopify or eBay or Etsy to basically be their own entrepreneur. And SHIP was this great solution because they were able to now outsource another piece of the value chain that wasn't necessarily part of their core competency. Right. And so specifically, um, there is a boutique in the Mission District of uh, SF that was using SHIP regularly. And uh, and they kind of piqued my interest. And, and so I went and talked to them and they were like, oh yeah, SHIP is amazing. Like, you know, once we started using Shopify, now we can ship, you know, we could have customers all over the world um, instead of people that could just walk through the door, but you know we don't know anything about international logistics and things like that. And so it got the wheels kind of spinning on like, you know, in the future, there's going to be way more brands. The you know technology has democratized people's ability to be a creator or um, you know launch their own business. However, when it comes to actually creating physical goods, specifically within the fashion space, I felt like there wasn't that sort of, you know, key leader in the market that was like, oh, you know, you build a great, you know, Squarespace site, you have a, you know, a, a big audience on social, and now you use this app and you can create amazing, you know, physical products to sell to your audience. I didn't right. feel like that existed. Okay. So how did you kind of refine the idea and what was the first version and, and made you actually decide, like, I need to really build Kala? So First, first thing I did was I spent some time um, with a fashion brand that was okay. based in Sausalito and okay. it was called um, Frida Salvador. It's actually a, a women's um, footwear company. Okay. And so got, spent a couple of weeks with them and just, you know, sort of learning, absorbing, seeing the way they operated, seeing what their meetings were like, their design process, you know, how they communicate with the factory, how they, you know, communicated with their logistics partners. Um, and it was through that experience that I started to kind of see, you know, basically the tool set is like Adobe Illustrator and Excel and right. then email and phone. And so that's where I, you know, initially was like, okay, this is interesting. Like there's probably something here. Um, and so started working on the V1 it, at the time. And this was kind of separate from that experience with them. At the time I was also, you know, really thinking about the, experience I had at ship where, you know, there's just so many people using ship for returns. Right. And so kind of the V1 of Cala was like, can I create something that helps these sort of like small fashion brands and kind of attacks this problem of returns. And so the, the kind of V1 of Cala was, you know, I, I talk about learning here. We, I, I made this sort of like standard tech person mistake, which is like, I tried to jump all the way to the like in solution. And so right. it was a on-demand production custom fit app. Okay. And so um, a fashion brand could, you know, create a collection. We would basically do this crazy grading process so that um, it could be, you know, a custom pattern could be made for each customer. And then we built this app where um, someone could take three photos and we'd be able to pull their key measurements. And then um, basically from those measurements and the grading process, we do a custom pattern and then we had a factory in LA that would, you know, 
cut and sew a, a custom garment. So it took about like two weeks. However, um, you know, we had fanatical customers, but very, very few um, who, you know, loved the experience. They could never find anything that fit them well. Now they could get the designer style, you know, in a, in a, you know, custom fit for them. Um, but ultimately the designers just kept over and over and over saying like returns is not our problem. Our wow. problem is being able to actually produce what we want quickly and, you know, in small quantities. And, and so it was kind of through that experience of kind of getting something out into the world that we learned like, oh, okay, the actual, you know, request or, or things that, that brands want is the ability to like easily have a, you know, produce internationally and find, you know, great manufacturers and, and have, you know, reliable experience producing the products they want. Interesting. So were you coding and designing these first versions or, or how did you actually get these first versions built? Yeah. So the first, I, I did actually code the first version of the website. Okay. Um, unfortunately, Webflow did not exist then. Um, right. Which would have saved me a lot of time. Yes. Um, Webflow is awesome. Webflow is absolutely incredible. I think like the combination of, of Webflow and like Figma and Framer, and there's just so many incredible tools now where you can, I mean, you could get a, a good solid V1 of a startup up without having anyone technical on your team. Totally, 100% agree. I still use, as somebody technical, I still use those tools because they're so much quicker than coding a lot of that stuff yourself. So I- Absolutely. That, yeah. The so. Cala, Cala website today is uh, is built on Webflow. And as a matter of fact, after this meeting, I have time blocked and uh, <laughs> get it turned one of our landing pages into a, a CMS um, so that our team can quickly spin up like, you know, a landing page specifically for this customer that does these things that are looking for this. Um, and it's just an amazingly powerful tool. No, fair enough. That's very cool. Like, yeah, I still do like, my, well, my own personal site is even done in Webflow and I do like client work sometimes in that and, you know, even just like startup work. So no, I, I think it's a great tool. So, but uh, well, let's get back. A, go ahead. Well, sorry. I was just gonna say, I think it's a great, it's a great example though of when like technology can abstract away a lot of the, you know, unnecessary complexity. 100% people can build amazing things. And, and that's kind of the the way that Cala is sort of like acting within the, the fashion space now. Okay, no, that makes a lot of sense. So walk us through exactly what Cala has become today and, may, and maybe give us a bit more of the journey because you've been at this a number of years now. Yeah, so May 12th of 2022 will be six years for me. Wow, congrats, man, that's great. Which is insane in startup years. Um, yeah, which are which are similar to dog ears. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Maybe even worse, right? <laughs> Maybe worse. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so so I'll I'll kind of distill it down to some some big moments. So, okay. first big moment was when I convinced my co-founder Dylan to join me, and so okay. he was an engineer at Chip, um, fantastic engineer. Probably I only know one other engineer that's like has as great of like an IQ, EQ balance as Dylan. Um, right. And he was the CTO of SHIP. So ah. um, it was hard to hard to pull him. Sure. Um, so so basically Dylan joined, that's when we really started to develop the technology, both on the sort of like custom fit and the app side, but also just like the general you know website and kind of taking that to the next level. Right. Basically I fired myself from coding. <laughs> and then um, <laughs> and then we, we did a uh, collaboration with Wiz Khalifa and um, two brands, one called Pleasures and one called 424. And that was kind of the moment where, and, and that was still through the, the kind of custom fit type product we had. 
and that was when one of the guys from pleasures was like no one cares he's like andrew no one cares about custom fit he's like but if we can rely if we can upload what we want and have it produced and delivered to us like that's incredible you should build that and so you know a lot of people talk on podcasts and, and twitter about listening to your customers and we did and and so at that point with not a lot of money in the bank we literally basically spun down our custom fit business and started building the you know version of cal that, that it is today okay but just to step back for a second how did you land some of these big names to partner with you being that early on connections the short answer is <laughs> i have a one of my zone of geniuses besides uh operations i think and actually i think even more um more more of a zone of genius than operations is my ability to sell and to okay. get get basically people excited about a vision okay and so when it was just Dylan and I on <laughs> rotating between uh, my couch and his couch, um, we managed to, uh, you know, get connected with someone from this really cool company called Made, which did okay. these big events with talent and fashion and culture. And so we told them about our technology and our big vision for the future. And uh, and her name was Ruth. And she basically was like, "Wow, this is amazing. Let's, you know, let's let's do that at Made LA." And, uh, and so that was kind of the process of, and it was a cold email that I sent, to be honest. Um, wow. And, and yeah, next big moment was hiring Ruth. So, <laughs> okay. um, so we hired Ruth uh, after that event and uh, she kind of came on as our um, head of marketing and sort of head of, um, you know, sort of like creative director, if you will. And so that's when we moved the company to New York and, and basically started kind of getting closer to customers and kind of getting embedded in the like fashion scene within New York. Um, and then I'd say like the next big moment was, <laughs> it sounds kind of crazy, but uh, it's very fortuitous. Basically I was a big uh, superhuman um, early user and sure, superhuman yeah. is an email app. And I love it because it's just like, it See. literally makes you superhuman. You can move so much more quickly through your inbox and such. And so I gave them a lot of product feedback early days. So I got invited to a happy hour that they had. This is actually before we moved to New York. And uh, so I went to the happy hours, engineering happy hour. And I'm talking to a bunch of people and I see this like six foot five guy in a Yeezy sweatshirt and Balenciaga triple S shoes, okay. which are like crazy sneakers. And uh, so I'm like, my brain's racking, like, what is this guy doing at a superhuman engineering happy hour sure and uh and so i go and introduce myself and his name was ryan wood and uh he was the first designer at superhuman and uh oh, so I was like ryan how yeah. would you like to get coffee tomorrow and he's like yeah let's do it so uh long story short three weeks later ryan joined as our um, head of product and uh, basically was, was with us for four years and so he really you know if if uh we had this kind of idea ruth helped us kind of like you know build that legitimacy within the fashion space and ryan helped us actually like build the app and the product to you know make it easy to to kind of achieve our, our purpose of making it easy to create physical products no very cool okay so keep going on this journey because it's fascinating yeah so so now we're in new york and um we are having a hard time um still having a bit of a hard time on the supply chain side you know we're we're working with a decent number of factories but it's still kind of like we have one good factory here that does this we have one good factory there that does that and the, the a big part of the vision was having this sort of like network approach 
And so, you know, instead of having one factory and then having all of the projects go in that queue, trying to take a distributed model, and this, you know, this comes from operations and even like networking <laughs> logic. Um, and so we were able to kind of a next big step for us was we, um, we hired this woman, Lauren Devine, and uh, it was a connection through Ruth. And she helped Kanye do Yeezy season one through four as right. uh, his director of materials. And then subsequently was Alexander Wings, director of materials for four years. And so, you know, met her at our space, very small space, and, uh, and basically told her the vision. And she's like, yeah, that's never going to work. And so, <laughs> wow. um, so I was like, well, how about you tell us how to make it work? And so I brought her on as an advisor, which uh, big, big tip for anyone that's starting a business out there. If you can't quite hire the person you want, bring them on as an advisor. That's and actually really good advice. Help them, you know, understand and, and also like get skin in the game on what you're doing. And then when you're ready, you know, maybe it's a couple months, um, maybe it's, you know, longer, you know, make the big, the big sell, the big pitch. Interesting. Did, did they eventually come on board? She did. And actually I did the same thing for Dylan, my co-founder. So I was like, look, dude. And he's like, I'm not going to leave ship. Uh, I'm like, how about you come on as an advisor first? And then uh, about three months later, he joined. And so uh, Lauren, I think she was advisor for about four or five months um, and then then joined full time. No, I, I, I think that's that's really good advice, but keep going down this journey. It's fascinating. And I, I think you're working in a lot of really good learning. Yeah, appreciate that. And so um, so so we're in New York. We're at this point in time, we're, we're starting to get our operations like really dialed in. So this is, this is 2018. And the issue we're starting to run into is like, who is the customer that we're going after? Okay. And so, you know, we've worked with Wiz Khalifa before, saw his ability to sell out instantly. And in New York, we were working with a lot of small designers, but they were all really still focused on the wholesale model, which is right. like, you make a bunch of samples, you do a fashion show, or you go in a showroom and you cross your fingers and you hope that, you know, some buyer is going to come and place an order. And uh, it's kind of the sick cycle where, you know, the buys are smaller and smaller and smaller as everything was shifting towards e-commerce. And so we had this hypothesis and we're like, you know what, if we can focus on celebrities and influencers and be kind of like, you know, the solution to help them launch brands at the time, you know, Kylie was on the cover of Forbes and Yeezy was just starting to kind of get kicked off. Um, from like a, you know, big sort of like name brand perspective. And, uh, and so that was kind of, you know, a big pivotal moment was we we're like, all right, we're going to double down, triple down on um, signing celebrities and influencers. And so we started that in 2019 and uh, we signed about 35 and uh, we built relationships with all the big, you know, WME, CAA, IMG, um, DBA, I mean, there's a million three letter acronyms for talent agencies. And we sure. basically built relations with ships with all of them. And, uh, and, and so that's kind of when we're, we're getting into COVID a little bit. And, and basically we were fortunate to have the opportunity to get kind of like, you know, never before seen access to talent because they were sitting at home and willing to jump on a FaceTime or a zoom or something like that. And so, uh, we were pretty fortunate. Um, we, we signed a lot of them and that, you know, resulted in um, a, a bit of a surprise, which was we found that 
not everyone with a large audience and high levels of engagement was able to you know actually sell and so of the 35 you know about a quarter of them were pretty successful um another quarter would like you know make back the cost of goods um and then half of them just like couldn't sell a darn thing fascinating why do you so think that was, that was just out of curiosity i think you know we basically were we were thinking that you know engagement translates to dollars in its purest uh, form okay. and i think what we learned um and, and you know we were continuously fine-tuning the types of, of talent we we're going after what we basically learned is that you know a lot of people with high engagement are, are really have this sort of like entertainment relationship with their following versus a taste making or like a trend setting type of relationship okay you also get really good engagement if people hate you yeah i guess that makes sense <laughs> because everyone's trolling all of your posts so you know what we kind of ultimately found is like you know it's it's more than just the quantitative numbers you know you have to be able to look at someone and be like all right are they actually influencing their audience are they you know generating new looks and ideas and, and trends and, and tastes and so um, we ultimately found that was pretty hard to to you know basically pick winners and so what we did towards the end of 21 or sorry towards the end of 2020 is we realized that like the successful brands really look a lot like fashion brands so a lot of their needs are the same from like a technology and sort of a supply chain perspective and so towards the end of 2020 and then going into 21 we basically evolved our solution even further to really just focus in on you know sort of million in revenue plus fashion brands um enabling them to scale more quickly and, and you know work more effectively okay fascinating so how does one of these brands start using Kala, and then let's dive into that yeah so right now it's a there's kind of two main channels in which you know people come to Kala. one is you know outbound and the other is inbound um, which is you know either signing up on our site or we get a lot of referrals and so once you um you know get in contact with us we'll do a, a short onboarding session and, and basically you can start loading in your designs and your inspiration. And so through our platform, you can upload, you know, raw sketches, you can upload inspiration images, you and your team can sort of collaborate back and forth. We have like pretty, pretty robust, like commenting and notifications and um, app mentioning and things like that. And so it's this kind of like, you know, sort of cool, little bit Figma-esque from like a collaboration features um, type tool where it's just like about like, how can you get the vision of what you want out as quickly as possible? And then um, once you submit a collection, we've actually built our own pricing algorithm. And so okay. based on even just kind of those raw ideas on like, here's sort of a reference image for the t-shirt I want, but I want it in the, this fabric that I love from this t-shirt that I've had since like, you know, eighth grade. And here's our logo. Based on just kind of like those small bits of info, we can price it for you. And you can sort of in real time, see how it changes between like 10 units to 100 units to 275 units. Um, which is a, a really powerful tool and, and we quote the total landing cost and so you know if it's at 100 units it's uh 15 you know that if you sell it for 45 you're walking away with you know 30 bucks in margin um, right. and that's that's been a pretty huge uh feature that that everyone loves sure okay so how from from what i remember and you can correct me if i'm wrong you also have people 
on your side that'll help me design stuff if I need it or, or walk us through some of the full and other services you guys provide? Absolutely. So, so one of the key things we've done at Cala is basically, you know, listening to our customers, any, any gap that they have in, in, you know, any need that they have, we try to see if it makes sense for us to fill it. Okay. So first, as you mentioned, like, what if I need help designing? And you may think like, well, they're a designer, how they need help designing. But what we've actually found is that like a lot of times, you know, even like a small fashion brand or even a medium sized fashion brand, they'll have a ton of competency around one type of designing. So let's right. call it like sweaters. But if they want to do a, a, a shoe, that's, you know, historically, you would have to hire a team of like five people if you wanted to start getting into footwear. So at Cala, we basically have this network of ghost designers that can be available on a sort of like, you know, pay-as-you-go type model, um, which is really cool. So you don't need to hire somebody and pay them 100K a year. Um, you can just pay us, you know, a thousand bucks for a design or something like right. that. Um, I think it's even like less expensive than that. So we've done that in a number of areas. So we have ghost design. And let's say that you already have your designs. You know exactly what you want. Um, once you check out, then we actually now do by default a 3d design and so we'll oh, basically cool. take those sketches and reference images and you'll get an actual like 3d render render that you can sort of engage with through the cal platform once that's you know once you've kind of gone back and forth and you've approved that um which actually by the way has been amazing because it's helping us save you know two maybe even like three samples in the development process because wow. people can kind of just like see up front here's what it is in a kind of a three-dimensional space which is really cool that's awesome. Okay, but keep going. Sorry. So once once you approve your 3D design, then it goes in this kind of like technical phase where we take the 3D design, make sure that's sort of like production ready. Right. And then, and so that's another sort of skill set that you're getting access to through Cala, um, which is like the technical design. And so this is like figuring out like the pattern, um, all the specifics about the prints and the print treatments and the size and the scaling, all the things that like you could do as, you know, an individual designer or as a fashion brand, but like that's a whole nother role that yeah. uh, that you need. And there's a, you know, lingerie technical designer and there's a, you know, knitwear technical designer and there's a, you know, accessories technical designer. And so, you know, with Cala, you just get, you know, fractional usage of, of the ones in our network instead of needing to you know, have them all in staff. Interesting. Similarly, once it goes to the factories, you know, we have 30 different factories in 13 different countries. And so instead of going out and vetting them all yourself, they're all available, you know, up front. Same thing with like inbound logistics. We take care of all of that. Then we also have a direct-to-consumer fulfillment product where we have about 18 warehouses that we work with around the world um, where we could actually store your products and directly ship them to your customers. Very cool. And you're, you have obviously like a free plan all the way up to whatever, right? Like depend, you'll, like you'll do whatever people need basically. Is that correct? Exactly. Yep. So you can get started, you know, uploading your designs and collaborating with one person on our free plan. And then if you want to actually get pricing, you have to upgrade to our, um, our professional plan, which is I think like 30 bucks a month. And, and then once you actually want to produce something, then you add our, our uh, production add-on, um, which is $500 a month, plus a, a 10 to 20% service fee, depending on how much revenue you're doing. Right. And then lastly, if you want to add the fulfillment add-on, that's another 500 bucks a month. Um, and then another 10% service fee on the cost of fulfillment. So it's pretty inexpensive for what you get access to and all the people you get access to just based on even your shoe uh, example a few minutes ago, like not having to hire 
five people is <laughs> it's insane. Right? Yeah. It's yeah. it's literally and it's it's that's I think one of the examples of like, you know, why these sort of like marketplace or you know, SaaS enabled marketplace or managed marketplace, why these models are so powerful is because through that technology, you can basically connect, you know, demand and supply in a super meaningful way um, and at a really like low cost because of the scale. No, yeah, totally. So the thing that I always find fascinating about what you guys are doing is you are really adding technology into a space that's not really known for being very technical. And I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just there's not a lot of software that that plays in the fashion space. At least is that that's my understanding. So is that a fair statement, I guess, before I ask my question? Absolutely. I think, you know, historically fashion has prided itself on, you know, the artisan, you know, cutting the fabric by hand and flying to Italy to review samples type model. Right. Since I've been working on Kawa, it's definitely very quickly been, you know, trying to catch up on, on the tech side. Right. Okay. So then I'm curious, what advice do you give to people? Look, because it sounds like you basically just figured it out as you went, tried to make as many connections as possible. You obviously networked with people. You gave some really good advice about um, if they don't join you, ask them as a, or add them as a vet mentor if they're willing to do that in hopes that you can hire them down the road. But what other things have you learned along the way that, you know, you maybe wish you knew earlier on in your journey? One of the biggest things that I've learned through the Cal experience and really through, you know, I'm getting close to like 10 years in tech now totally. is I, I got into the space thinking I knew everything. Okay. And now I'm so proud to say that I, I know basically nothing. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and when you embrace, when you embrace that nothingness, yeah it puts you in a position to listen. It puts you in a, in a position to discover. It puts you in a position to learn. And, and I think that, you know, through, towards the end of my ship experience, you know, I really was kind of like having my world crushed from the like, I know everything perspective. And so yeah. as I was starting Kala, it, there really was this curiosity. Um, and of course it was a new space as well. And so, you know, as you, as you become, you know, optimizing for learning versus optimizing for being right. Um, it really enables a lot of like beautiful things to come together. And then you find yourself kind of like threading together the past experience you've had and like, oh, actually this thing that I learned in this completely separate experience and space can actually be repurposed into a new space to create something new or something, you know, more unique. And that could be a piece of technology. That could be a process. That could be a, you know, a relationship. Um, and so I think that, you know, really, really trying to approach everything as a kind of like a day one, like, you know, I know nothing perspective. Um, I think that that's been super helpful for me. No, I, I actually think that's really good advice. I also feel like it, it sounds stupid, but it's kind of an icebreaker sometimes when things get maybe a little challenging or, if you're having kind of a, a weird conversation with like maybe maybe not like a customer or a client but if it's somebody that 
you're just getting to know you're kind of like well i don't really know what i'm doing or i i haven't like and it kind of just like lightens the mood sometimes and if you Absolutely. if you if you genuinely mean it i think people just totally like it just kind of relaxes the situation do you know what i'm getting at you're exactly right it relaxes the situation and you will be blown away at how much time and knowledge people are willing to give you totally it's it's literally like because you have that curiosity um people want to help they want to not everyone but but a lot of people want to help and you know i kind of think back to you know when i was in la in a you know at a manufacturer working with this you know wonderful 60 year old woman who is a pattern maker and she was like i'm like i literally know nothing like please just tell me everything yeah and so she taught me about grading and about marking and you know the whole experience and you know you would be just amazed at how much you can learn in a very short period of time um you know with that kind of attitude and i think when you look at a lot of the like super successful startups especially the ones that are kind of like creating a new space yeah it's almost never someone from the end like from that industry that's doing totally. it yeah. so think about travis kalanick with uber and brian chesky and team with airbnb like none of them came from taxis or from you know hospitality um i think it takes that kind of like that you know outsider view and in that process of learning where you can kind of come up with these like crazy new ideas no i i think that's really good advice so you also have a mobile app how does that tie into everything we've talked about so far today yeah so you know i don't want to beat a dead horse but you know listening to our customers seeing what they're they're doing seeing how they're using the product one of the things became abundantly clear which is the creation process you know which is still heavily dependent on the adobe suite few people are using figma um that's a desktop experience right but once you get past that part and even like like the collaboration elements within that part a large portion of the team are not in those tools they're on mobile and so what we kind of realized about about a year ago is like you know i think it was something like 60% of uh, people that were logging to the app were logging in on iOS. Okay. And so we were basically like, all right, we need to create like the absolute best experience, um, the best digital experience for, for our customers. And for many of them, you know, that means a mobile experience. And so um, we launched the mobile app back in March and uh, has had incredible response so far. It's, uh, it's also a cool opportunity for us because we've been able to, you know, use a different tech stack um, right. And so really kind of, you know, playing around with some new cool, cool technology and, and things from like the API side that um, is really exciting for our, you know, our team that's working on it. Um, but also just like, you know, going back to that day one thing, you know, whenever you get a, a chance to kind of like start fresh with something, you can, you know, do it better that time. And so um, the app's super, super fast and um, some features, you know, are even easier to do on iOS, like panning and zooming than they are on, on, uh, on desktop. And so it's been kind of cool to introduce that product and, and have heard uh you know great great feedback so far no very cool so i'm curious because obviously you have some well-known brands and some celebrities using the platform how do you manage your roadmap with their requests because some of these brands could probably throw lots of money at you to build some of the features that you're like well they're not really right for us or how so how do you manage that that's a good question so i think it's about staying true to your purpose as a company okay and so our purpose is to power physical product 
creation by connecting the world through an accessible digital infrastructure. And so when we get big requests like, um, oh, you guys should build a factory or, you know, something like that. And it's like, well, does that directly help us on our purpose of, of making creating physical products more accessible? Maybe. Um, but then it becomes a prioriz prioritization process towards like, what are the things that are most quickly and most directly going to propel us towards that vision? And so that's something that's been really important for, for Dylan and I from the very beginning is really codifying our purpose as a company, but also our values. And so we kind of talk about it as like, you know, the, the purpose and, and sort of like our OKRs is just how we track towards our purpose. Um, OKR standing for objectives and key results. That's kind of like the what that we do. Okay. But equally as important is the values, which is like the how. And, and I think it creates a really great framework for, you know, hiring creates a great framework for managing. Um, and in some cases, it creates a great framework for offboarding team members that, that kind of don't work within that realm. No, I, yeah, no, that, that makes total sense. So one thing we haven't covered yet is so I we get through the whole design process. I have my collection ready to go. How do I actually do you? I'm assuming you well, I know, but you guys integrate with Shopify or Webflow to actually sell these to my customers, correct? Or, or walk us Absolutely. through that process once it's done and I have everything ready to ship. Yep. So we do third party QC at the factories. Our logistics team handles all of the importation craziness through customs, no matter which country it's coming from. Okay. Once the product's been received in the warehouse, you can actually uh, connect your your Cal account to your Shopify or to a Webflow, and uh, and then you know from that point on, that's kind of you know on the on the customer side. So um, you know you can launch whenever the products are available, and those orders are going to flow through directly um, and and be shipped. I think right now we're averaging like twelve hours. Um, wow. You know from from the time the order happens until there's a tracking information that's provided. Um, and one of the cool things we do also is we include um, customer service as a, a part of our fulfillment solution. So not okay, only cool. for 500 bucks a month, do you get you know, access to incredible shipping rates and all these different facilities everywhere and amazingly high caliber of, of fulfillment provider because we're doing so much volume. Um, but you also get a team that's going to be able to answer questions from your customers directly. You know, my item didn't arrive or it was delivered, but I didn't get it or it was damaged or I need to return. All of those things can be taken care of for you. And we actually, we have this sort of like 17 page brand Bible template that we, okay. when we onboard a fulfillment client, we'll go through, talk about like, what's your customer voice? You know, what's your sizing and grading? What do you want your friendly fraud protocol to be? Um, and of course we have all of our defaults and recommendations, but it's a great way for you to kind of like take a pause and be like, oh, how does my brand operate? And, uh, oh, look at these best practices. And so it's a really, you know, great um, tool for brands to be able to offer a really great post-purchase experience. No, very cool. So is there anything else kind of ongoing that you guys also include? Because like customer service is obviously super important, but, you know, once it's kind of everything's up and running and I'm maybe working on another collection, how does that kind of play into the platform or is it just kind of a rinse and repeat type cycle that, okay, now I'm working on my next collection and we kind of started over or how does that kind of work? Exactly. So, you know, in the platform, things can be organized into collections. And so, okay. you know, you can actually see through a dashboard, 
for different collections and different products, you know, what stage are they in? Is it in the sort of technical design phase? Is it in sampling? Is it in production? Um, and then so we've kind of built the product so that you can easily do that across collections within one team. You can even do it really easily across teams. And so let's say, for instance, that you have, you know, kind of one brand that you're primarily working on, but then you also do some design work for another brand. You can kind of easily within the platform track the status of, you know, multiple different designs that are being produced in five or 10 or 20 different countries um, all at the same time, which is which is pretty cool. No, that's that's very cool. But we're, we're kind of coming to the end of the show. But I'm curious, is there any like books or podcasts that you recommend that you've learned a lot from over the years? Absolutely. So the probably the most impactful book for me has been 15 Commitments to Conscious Leadership. Oh, interesting. I think um, that was introduced to me about three, maybe four years ago now, and um, absolutely changed the way that I think about life, but also, of course, management. And um, and one of the key, I guess, actually the <laughs> the first of the commitments is taking 100% responsibility. And it's not just taking 100% responsibility of your work but of your whole life. So your physical, mental, spiritual well-being. And you'll be amazed once you kind of go through reading this book and you start thinking about like, oh, wow, actually, I don't take, you know, I don't take full responsibility ever in some cases, you know, it's like, right. oh, I'm, I'm too tired. I'm not going to work out. Or, uh, you know, I, I um, just so burn out, you know, blah, 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 or, you know, and, uh, and so, one of those, one of those, uh, uh, when I, when I kind of read that book, it had a, almost like a, a great awakening. It was also in a very, you know, tough time, um, at Cala where, you know, we were having big issues with a big customer and, um, of course, always running out of money. And so, you know, I was in kind of a, a tough place and, and kind of got introduced to that book and helped, uh, to create sort of like a tool, a tool belt, if you will. Um, cause life's, life's a roller coaster. It's ups and downs and that's the beauty of life, right? If it was all the same, it would be super boring. And so what the 15 commitments do is they kind of give you this like this tool tool set um, to use when, you know, things get thrown at you that help you just, you know, to be more Zen and, and kind of flow through life more happily. Well, I, I think that's a really good recommendation. Any podcasts you listen to? I mean, none, none that I would highly recommend. I'm kind of a, a bit scattered from that where like sure. a lot of the, a lot of the podcasts I listen to are through, um, Twitter or, or something like that versus like me following. Um, I like uh, the the podcast that Jack Conte is doing for um, from Patreon is pretty cool. He's had a lot yep. of really interesting people on there. Um, and of course, you know, hate him or love him. I think the the Joe Rogan podcast is, is super interesting just to like hear the, I was, I was listening to one this weekend about the Amazon and uh, how maybe there's actually like a, you know, crazy civilization there that is now just being discovered and so um, that one's always interesting to to kind of tickle the brain a little bit yeah interesting cool man well we're, we're out of time so how about we close with mentioning where people can get more information about yourself Callan, and any other links you want to mention absolutely so if you want to know more about Cala, you can visit our website ca.la and uh yeah if you want to follow me i'm on twitter a w h y i t um did it phonetically because somebody had a wide already which i'm hot about um but yeah 
feel free to to shoot us a note on on our, our website or, or follow us on Twitter as well. This is ca or sorry, uh, this is Cal is our um, Twitter and it's also our Instagram. Perfect. Well, Andrew, again, I really appreciate you taking the time of your day to have a chat with me and have a good rest of your day, man. Of course. Thanks for having me. Take care. Thank you. Right. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Learner.co show. If you're looking to be a guest, try out our app or want to get in touch, please visit Learner with two L's at www.lleerner.co. The music for the show is by Electric Mantra. Thanks for listening and keep on learning.